Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Please insert some dumbass sarcastic remark here and everybody laughs. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe-smoking broadcast for those of you 18 and over. I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from the uh, brand new, brand new smoke-filled recording studio built here at my office just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina in the little town of Concord. In tonight's show in Pipe Parts, Hey, it's election day, so I'm going to take a little survey of all of you pipe smokers. My guest tonight is pipe maker David Huber, DSH Pipes. Then we've got uh, music from Jody Davis again, and a mailbag, and a rave at the end of the show. All that coming up on uh, tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And, uh, yeah, if it sounds a little different, well, hey, I'm uh, snuggled into a downstairs office in our house that has just been kind of re-excavated from all the work around the house. Not quite tuned in on exactly the sound that I want out of the show yet, but you know what? We're going to make it work for tonight. Uh, Last weekend, spent a lot of time out on the road with the marching band, went to Atlanta, and... uh, (laughs) Uh, anyway, there was a little disorganization with the Georgia Dome and ended up making sandwiches and feeding marching band kids in the parking lot of a Walmart. Um, not exactly the best area, but you know what? It was fun to walk out onto the field of the Georgia Dome. We got to uh, practice at Clemson University, but yeah, just the idea, just the sight of seeing those kids walk there, walk out there with the band and be out on the field of the Georgia Dome. Quite a big building and a little different sound than what that band was used to. A couple of kids got lost hearing the echo back in the uh, in the dome. Anyway, uh, two days from now, I leave for Las Vegas. So if you're coming out to the West Coast Pipe Show, hope to see you all. And don't forget, Sunday night, 9 o'clock at the uh, foot of the Eiffel Tower at the Paris Hotel on the Strip. We'll have a little outside uh, pipe smoking gathering there, so hope you all can make it. All right, let's get the show rolling. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company, and here we go. I'm not just a pipe smoker. I'm a Meerschaum pipe smoker. All of my pipes come from MeershamStore.com. They've been in business for 50 years, and I can trust that there will be no hassles. Orders are processed and shipped fast, and they have every shape you can imagine, including calabash, claws, dragons, horror, even a sexy series. MeershamStore.com, the most trusted Meersham store for 50 years. Meet Aaron, one of the most important people at SmokingPipes.com. In our shipping department, he's one of the cogs in the highly efficient wheel, if you will, that's responsible for making sure your order goes out right every time. Ain't that right, Aaron? I don't know all about that cog in the wheel stuff, but I do know at SmokingPipes.com, I take my work very seriously. Pulling tents of tobacco, weighing bulk tobacco, triple checking orders, and getting them out the door. Since it's so easy to order from SmokingPipes.com, you're keeping Aaron pretty darn busy. Look at him go, go, go. 
<laughs> In fact, it's been a challenge to get him to stop long enough to say hello. But Aaron doesn't mind. He loves his job at smokingpipes.com. Why is that, Aaron? Because I don't just ship pipes. I smoke them. Gotta run. <laughs> just log on to smokingpipes.com or call us at 1-888-366-0345. We are quality. We are experts. We are smokingpipes.com. This is Marty Pulvers, and you're listening to the Pipes Magazine radio show. And before I go any further, let me just say I did make a phone call to Marty and uh, congratulate him and all the San Francisco Giants fans on uh, what was an exciting World Series and a World Series win for them. All right, three out of five years. Okay, maybe it is a dynasty. But anyway, let's take an informal poll. Today is Election Day, and thank the Lord all the ads will be over today and we won't have to hear about it for another, oh, 18 months or so. But what I thought I'd do is do an informal poll, and please email, post your uh, comments or your responses, whatever you do, or discuss them with your friends. But here's what I, here's what I want to talk about. All right, first of all, do, do you have more than one style of pipe? For example, do you have bent pipes, straight pipes? Do you have bulldogs? Do you have billiards? Or do you stay in one style one shape only uh, when I first my answer is when I first started out smoking a pipe I was primarily billiards and lavats it looked like a whole bunch of straight pipes all lined up and they were all about the same size now I still have a good amount of billiards and lavats but I've branched out I have bents I have different styles I have Dublins and all different shapes and sizes so do you have just one shape that you really like or do you like multiple shapes next question is as fall has come in here uh, do you change the tobacco that you smoke or do you keep with the same tobacco season after season uh, I switch a little bit in the summertime in the hot humidity I'm able to smoke a straight Virginia in the morning for a bowl or two and then switch to some one of my Virginia Periques or something like that. Now that the colder weather has come in, I just don't get that sweetness out of the Virginias anymore. So now it's Virginia Perique, light one in the morning, and work my way towards a heavy, heavier one in the evening. Uh, I know for a fact that some people smoke more aromatics during the winter time because they want to smoke indoors and they don't want to offend a bunch of people. So does your does your tobacco preference change? over as the seasons as the seasons change there you go all right next question how many bowls of tobacco do you smoke a week now this is you know this a lot of it's going to depend on the time and the uh you know the time that you have to smoke and the time of year that you smoke but just kind of average it out for me are you somebody that is a regular seven day a week pipe smoker or are you somebody that is a two or three times on in, during the week you might smoke on an evening? Or are you somebody who at the end of the day, every day, you end your day with a pipe full? Or are you an all day long, seven day a week pipe smoker like I am? Except, of course, when I'm on marching band trips where we're not allowed to be under the influence of tobacco. <laughs> Got away with it, but don't tell anybody. Um... 
so what do you do? Do you smoke every day? Do you smoke all day long? Do you smoke a couple times a week? Do you smoke once a week? Let me know what let me know what you do. And my last poll question is uh I guess it's kind of difficult, but it it'll only be for those of you that have really been smoking a pipe for more than more than a couple of years and maybe have more than uh, more than a dozen pipes, but do you find yourself at times getting fascinated by a shape and wanting one of those shapes? I remember a time in 2006 or 7 when I was absolutely fascinated with the long shank blowfish. And I wanted one, and I wanted one, and I wanted one, and I finally got one, and I discovered how uncomfortable it was for me. Uh, are you somebody that wanted, you know, had the had the holy grail of pipes. And we'll pick on Dunhill, for example. You wanted a Dunhill, you wanted a Dunhill, and then you finally got one. What became your next holy grail? Uh, do you find yourself at times where you're looking at your pipes and going, boy, I wish I had some smaller pipes because I'm only smoking, you know, 20 or 30 minutes at a time, or all of a sudden you realize that it's more, that, that you don't want all the weight of larger pipes, so you're switching to smaller pipes. Uh, do you find your moods in the pipes that you want to buy or the pipes that you're looking for? Do you find those changing? Is there a pipe maker that's come on that you found out about that you wanted to get one, wanted to get one? Uh, just let me know what you, uh, how do you, how do you feel about moods and searching for something new and do you change your moods or have you stayed pretty much tried and true to what you started out with? All right, make sure and post all the comments on the Pipes Magazine radio shows page on PipesMagazine.com or you can email your responses to me, Brian, at PipesMagazine.com. I'll uh, get them on the show next week, Uh, which, by the way, next week I'll recap Las Vegas for you. All right, everybody, in just a minute, David Huber will be on the phone with me. This is Internet Radio. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Craftsmanship, history, tradition. These are the hallmarks of all quality products. From the finest wines bottled in France to the most highly engineered automobiles manufactured in Germany. Denmark has been the one country in the world where craftsmanship, history and tradition have for centuries created the finest pipe tobaccos in the world. Since 1887, the Halberg family have led the pipe tobacco industry through their ownership of Mac Barron Tobacco Company and they continue to create the most sought-after blends in the world today, just as they did over 100 years ago. In keeping with their long history of providing the world with the best tobacco on earth, Mac Barron is proud to announce their newest creation, Modern Virginia, as a loose-cut version and a flake version. Bright and dark, rich Virginia tobaccos have been combined with just a hint of burley for strength in this soft and smooth smoke with delicious fruit undertones. As the world leader in flake tobacco production, Mac Barron is sure that this blend will appeal to the true connoisseurs of traditional Virginia flake tobacco, as well as those who like their tobaccos on the sweeter side. Enjoy the culmination of centuries of experience by picking up a tin of modern Virginia from Mac Barron Tobacco Company. Available at fine tobacconists everywhere. 
Please welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show, pipe maker and one of the winners from the 2013 Kansas City Pipe Carving Contest. And we're going to talk about that pipe in a minute because it's got straight grain in places where I didn't know there was supposed to be grain. But anyway, please welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show, David Huber. David, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me. Hey, and I pronounced your last name right, so that's good. You did. You got it. All right, so let's get to know you better, because we've only talked for just a few brief minutes. Uh, where did you grow up? Where are you from? And all that stuff. Well, originally, um, I grew up in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, I was there until uh, I graduated from college, um, and then I went all over the Northeast. Um, my degree was in theater, um, so I spent uh, the better part of the first five years I was out of college uh, doing that. And wait, 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 back up. Your degree, your degrees in theater, what were you doing in theater? Well, my degree is in performance, so I was trained as an actor, but um, I decided in the last year of my degree that I would rather do design. So I, I actually spent those five years that I was working in, in theater as a sound designer uh, for live performances. You mean like with real microphones and sound systems and all that stuff instead of just one little, you know, little crazy podcast stuff? Yeah, actually, with with live wireless microphones. I think the biggest show that I worked on had 27 live wireless mics. And those aren't the ones that are handheld wireless. We're talking about the little tiny ones that come down by the cheek and hide in the wigs and go down into the costumes and... You got it. That's exactly right. See, I know something. I'm, I. <laughs> uh, what was the show that had twenty something of them? Um, it was a show. Uh, it was a stage adaptation of Little Women uh, that we did at Syracuse Stage. Um, I was the assistant designer for that show, and I round I ran the soundboard. Um, so you can imagine being at the board while 27 chorus members run on and off stage and switching on mics and changing faders for two and a half hours. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, and those are all in stereo, too. So you... Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're, they're, in, they're in stereo. They can be in surround. Oh, yeah, you can, you can, make, uh, you can make voices come out of places you didn't expect. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> A uh, real quick story. I ran. It was a. I was doing a trunk show at uh, at a store in Baltimore and ran into the guy who runs the soundboard for the Paramount Theater in Washington D.C. No kidding. Yeah. Talk, yeah. We were talking about him doing the Jeff Dunham special that they just done. He said that was easy. I only oh, had wow. to. We only had to mic one guy. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds like a, a nice mute unmute job. Yeah. So I got to ask you, what made you decide that acting wasn't for you and you wanted to go into what I would consider like the real work and technical background uh, or the technical side? <laughs> well, as an actor, um, probably the most challenging thing is, well, getting work. Um, as an actor, <laughs> uh, most of us you know, know the cliche of the actor who's working as a waiter um, while they're tr you know, pursuing their dreams. And I mean, that's real. Um, yeah. The, the generally speaking, you know, most most actors' lives um, consist of you know hard work during the day, and then whenever they get a chance, they go and audition. And uh, it's it can be a little intimidating because you walk into an audition for a show, and you walk in, 
and every doppelganger within 150 miles is there. Uh, you know, people with your same height, your same build, your same eye color, same haircut. Um, you know, people who look exactly like you. And you somehow have to make yourself stand out in that crowd. Um, when I, I realized that this is what I had signed up for, I decided, you know, I love theater and I want to be able to work in theater. And I don't know if being an actor is the way to do that. So, <laughs> and you that's like why food. In the last year, I made the switch. I like to eat, you know, eating is good, it's healthy for your body. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but so, yeah, I, my last year I decided to, to make the switch um, where I could still be creative and and work in theater uh, professionally. And you know, I'm, I'm happy to say I, I, it, it worked. You know, I, when I graduated from college, I only spent one year working as, as a, a, an intern um, and then very quickly got a full-time job in theater at a regional theater, uh, which is not something most people can't say. Um so I feel I feel very very blessed that that happened to me. You know, um, I mean, obviously I moved on from it, but you know, it was it was a really great experience. So when did the pipe smoking or the interest in pipes begin? Um, my first pipe was a Dr. Grabow, actually, um, when I was in my last year of college, and I'm I moved in with a close friend of mine, and I was a seasonal cigarette smoker. I only picked up cigarettes when it started to get a little cold. And I, I lived in Louisiana at the time, so by a little cold, I mean it dropped below 60. Um, <laughs> so I would go out and you know, buy a pack uh, when it got towards the end of November um, because there was something about the cold weather that I, it just it made me want to enjoy tobacco. And, you know, I, I, I bought the pack that year, and I, I came home, um, and I smoked a couple of them and, you know, already pretty quickly, you know, smoking cigarettes for me anyway, um, when I inhale them, I start to feel a little worse immediately, but I enjoy the flavor. And my roommate, you know, asked me, well, if they don't make you feel good, why do you smoke them? <laughs> and my, my answer was, I like the way they taste. And he said, well, why don't you try a pipe instead? And I said, oh, that sounds like a good idea. So this so was this was a very this was a very in depth you know high end college conversation that happened here. Indeed, yes, yeah. Most of my conversations at the time were. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I I picked up just some like some Cavendish you know like in the pound bag for five dollars from Walgreens and um, and a, a grab out pipe you know from behind the counter and I tried it and I loved it. Um, that was. Eight years ago, um, and from there, I just I just started collecting. Um, you know, m my uh, my grandmother had always like really pushed and encouraged like my artistic side. She's she's the reason that I went into theater and like I wanted to you know do something creative with with my time. And I've also I've always admired uh, functional art in that way, and pipes have always been that to me. So from from the very first, you know, I was I was grabbed, you know, by there's there are these these permanent items, you know, that that serve a function to you, you know, and, and you you can use them forever, and they change with you. Um, and that's beautiful to me, and and so you know from that first pipe, it was it was love at first pipe. Right? <laughs> 
did you have somebody help you uh, help you pack the pipe or teach you how to pack and light a pipe, or did you just stuff and go? From the first, I just stuffed and went. Um, my my roommate um, had tried a pipe briefly, so he had a couple of little tips for me, but he wasn't really well-versed in pipe smoking. But he, he recommended um, a pipe shop in Baton Rouge to me um, that – that I wound up going to uh, Bayou Tobacco in Baton Rouge. Um, still one of my favorite tobacco shops that I have ever had the pleasure of racing. Um, <clears throat> from, um, I, I started going there pretty soon after I bought my first pipe. And I bought my second pipe, which was uh, a, a small um, Nording Apple um, from them. And I quickly became friends with a lot of the regulars there and with the owners. Uh, um, Mike and Sarah, um, they taught me a lot of what I knew um, until I left about a year later, left Baton Rouge about a year later, about pipes and uh, and backgammon. <laughs> <laughs> that makes perfect sense, and it does really help. Have yeah, right. A, I mean, yeah, it helps greatly on. to have a brick and mortar like that right there. It does. Yeah, that's that's one thing that I've. I've missed in, in some of the places that I've been is having a really good, like solid brick and mortar with owners who, who really intimately, you know, know pipes and, and, and tobacco. You know, I've, I, I've, I've been lucky enough to find usually at least one in, in the many places that I've, I've lived um, so far. But, uh, but Bayou Tobacco still stands out to me. It, it, that's, that's, my, that's my pipe home. Yeah. So when you were traveling around and working, were you carrying a pipe with you and then stopping in all the smoke shops and trying to? Um, most of my traveling came in the form of, of uh, brief, long stays. So a, a lot of people who work in theater, um, they kind of do tours or you know they'll get one show and so they'll fly to this city. They'll be there for two weeks and they'll fly to another city. And my experience was a little different than that. Because I wound up getting a full-time job in theater, I was able to um, uproot and move to one place for, not, for between three and nine months at a time. So, you know, I, I'd land, and so I'd get a chance to bring all my pipes with me, you know, and all, everything that I own came with me. And so I would, I would often just, like, bring a bag of pipes, you know, around <laughs> and, like, go figure out, you know, like, oh, is this, a, is this a good shop? Is this a good shop? You know, what are the people like here? And even in the shops that I didn't wind up going to a second time, something that I've always found is, you know, you, you take out your pipe and, you know, you fill it with whatever and you got a bunch of friends. Um, that's, that's, that's another thing that I've, I've always loved about this is no matter where you go, you know, if, if you got a pipe, there are friends around. And that, let's talk about the pipe making, because when did that all get started? Uh, so the pipe making got started when I moved from Syracuse um, to Pittsburgh in 2011, no, 2010, excuse me. Um, I, I'd been collecting Bjarne's for a while. Um, yeah. I, I, my, the, the peak of my collection was about 60 pieces, um, and... I had really started looking at um, like handmade artisan pipes by that point. And it, it, it quickly became clear to me that they were, they were a little bit out of my reach. 
And so I decided, well, if I can't get the ones that I really, really, really want, maybe I can try and make one. <laughs> um, so I, I found a, a resource for some briar. I, I got a couple of blocks. And I, I went to Lowe's and I bought a Raspin file. And, and so it was 2010 when I started filing away at, at, at this first block. And it was 2012 <laughs> when that when that block finished and became a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling. I tried that once. <laughs> We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, when you got some tools and machinery. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favourite blends outside of the US? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favourite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the US and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. The Carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the coastal low country, it's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, bold Latakias, spicy Periques, or unique aromatics, we've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, we live all things pipe tobacco, blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco, it's what we do. Stop by CornellAndDeal.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, still visiting with David. So, all right, I like to ask this of a lot of pipe makers, but what happened to that first pipe you made? Uh, well, I've still got it. Um, it was not, in my mind, uh, good enough to sell <laughs> the first one. Um there were there were also there were a lot of you know like weird engineering things with it you know I I hadn't learned you know the the importance of like you know really detailed engineering things um, I I I had taken a block from you know just a regular block and carved it out and then I hand drilled the chamber with a Dremel. <laughs> uh, uh, oops. <laughs> right. So I, I basically like I, I hollowed out the chamber um, by hand, and I did the same thing for the the mortise and the airway. I, I actually so funny story. Um, I cut my first tenon on this is a preformed stem, but I, I cut my first tenon by um, chucking the stem into a onto a drill bit that was chucked into a hand drill that was held to a side table by a cheap, like, drugstore table clamp. And I, I, I took the same, like, file and just, like, tied the, uh, 
the drill on, you know, with just a piece of string and held the file to the tenon as it slowly, slowly got smaller. By the way, I don't recommend this to anybody. It's not really a safe thing to do. <laughs> this sounds like the type um, of story that would end with, and then we went to the emergency room. Right. Well, fortunately, that never happened. I did cut <laughs> myself more than once on that first pipe. But, um, but fortunately, it wound up fitting miraculously. But it, it was only good enough in my mind for me to smoke, so I just, I just held on to it. So when did you start getting uh, like the the proper tools and equipment and really digging into it? Um, it wasn't long after that first pipe, but I did make a few with just those rudimentary tools. Um, it must have been six or seven months before I seriously started looking at getting a lathe, um, and I think it, it wasn't it wasn't until almost a year later that I really started tooling up. You know, I bought my lathe, I think, 10 months after I finished that first pipe. Um, and at the same time, I bought um, a, a motor uh, to run a shaping wheel. Um, and those were the, the two main tools that, that, that I used um, for a long time. And everything else, I just kind of like haphazardly grabbed as, a, as I discovered that I needed something. Were you able to work with another pipe maker for the training, or did you learn this through the forums and YouTube or whatever tweeter thing there is out there? Actually, both. Um, when I finished my first pipe, uh, even though I, I didn't necessarily feel like it was um, the best thing in the world, um, there was a couple of people who, who saw it and, and, and said, you know, that's, that's, that's not a first pipe. Um, Tyler Beard um, specifically reached out to me on the forum because you know I was I was excited about it. Um, you know I had posted a lot of like updates and stuff, and Tyler saw it and he reached out to me and said we need to talk because that pipe is not a normal first pipe. Um, and so Tyler has been the person who has helped me the most throughout my learning process. Um, there's been a couple of other people who, who have, have stepped in and helped me as well. Um, I, I would, I would be, it would be to my chagrin, not to mention these wonderful people, um, Grant Batson, when like he barely knew me, he met me once, he invited me to his home to spend a week working with him exclusively in his shop. And that experience I, you, you can't put value on experience like that. Um, um, my, my friend Ernie Markle um, has helped me a lot. Um, Primal Chetta has gone above and beyond for a lot of people, a lot of a lot of guys who, who make pipes, and and for, for me specifically, he's he's been a great friend um, and an, an incredible mentor. And last but certainly not least, Nate King. Um, who I consider a close friend, has helped me. You know, I, I can't even say how much. Um, but but all, all, all those guys have gone out of their way and given me their time, you know, and to, to help me get over questions that, you know, I was, I was trying to figure out, um, especially early on. But even now, you know, um, I, I consider those guys to be my friends and colleagues and and um, we all help each other out. Um, I think they probably help me out more than I do them. <laughs> but hopefully, 
as I, as I, as I continue to learn and, and, and get a really good handle on, on, on some of these, um, on some of the finer skills involved, I'll, I'll be able to get back. It's a wonderful community of people that don't look at each other as competition. They look at each other as uh, comrades. It's amazing. It's it's not a community that you see very many places. Um, I mean, in in theater, it was somewhat like that, but it's very cutthroat, and it doesn't feel like that at all in the pipe making community. People who make pipes love pipes. You know, uh, they certainly don't do it because it makes them rich. You know, and other people that they see who love making pipes, um, and especially people who who show some ability or some skill, or at the very least, you know, a real dedication and caring. Like people go out of their way to help. It's it's really amazing. What was the hardest process in pipe making for you to for you to get a handle on? Man, the tools. So I, as a sound designer, I have never in my life really built stuff. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, it's a joke for me. I think it's funny um, that the, that hand drill that I used to turn my first tenant, I had to borrow from my girlfriend at the time, who was not my wife. <laughs> what is, um, you had to borrow a drill from your girlfriend. Okay. Yes, I did. <laughs> so, but that should set up like how little I, 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 had, I had ever actually worked with power tools before. Um, but I, I started learning how to use these tools, use them properly, and use them safely um, to make pipes. I mean, that's the only reason that I learned how to use them at all. But all of like there are an innumerable amount of hurdles that come with learning those skills. Um, and at, at the same time, you know, like trying, trying to learn all of the specialized stuff that is pipe making specific and trying to learn all of those like really honestly basic um, skills for makers of things, you know, like using those tools that that's that's made the process for me <clears throat> um, doubly challenging uh, because I, I I didn't have pre-existing knowledge you know for how to make stuff going into this so I would say that was that that was the that's been the biggest challenge for me. Yeah, I'd say if you have to borrow a tool from a girlfriend, you probably haven't had much experience with it. No, not at all. And, no, actually, you know, not to belabor the story, but when I was um, working in theater, I, I actually was, uh, was the guy that people in the shop, you know, would, would say, Oh, if he comes in, just let us do it. (laughs) (laughs) So fortunately I'm not that guy anymore. I've, yeah, fortunately I've, I've, I've learned all, I've learned the most important skills, especially with safety. I don't, uh, and knock on wood, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't make any major mistakes anymore. I still have all ten fingers, so I'm doing pretty good. So now that you've mastered tools and your pipe shaping <laughs> is what I would consider to be uh, amazingly organic, which is like a big word or a big you know term for me to use. Uh, besides saying cool, 
I want to talk specifically because I'm kind of on a rustication kick as of late about the moon rock rustication. And yeah. if anybody wants to see it, go to the website is dshpipes.com. Look in the gallery for 2013 and you'll see the moon rock pipes. There's a couple of them in there. What was the idea? Why? How? And how about this? Wow. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, Brian. Um, well, so we'll, we'll start with the why and the how. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so, so the why, um, the, the first pipe that I made when I got back from visiting Grant had a kind of a moon look to it. Um, you all find it on the website um, because it wound up, in my mind, not being good enough. So I, I, I gave it to a family member. Um, <laughs> but it was the, the bowl half um, was smooth, and the shank half um, had a couple of like small flaws on it. So it, it wasn't good enough to be smooth. Um, and, and there was uh, there was kind of an arc between the shank and the bulb, and so kind of a crescent moon look. And so I was trying to figure out what to do because I didn't have a sandblasting setup. And to be frank, I, I hate rustication. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, 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 the vast majority of rustication out there, in, in my personal opinion, while, while it's, it's totally, it's a fine finish, like it's functional, it works, it's comfortable, you know, all that. But it doesn't tell a story, you know. Um, sandblasting and smooth tell a story, you know. The in, in every block, there's something going on that's cool and interesting, and you know, when you when you have a block, you can finish smooth. You know, the grain's got to be gorgeous because you know, like, there's a beautiful story in there. Or when you sandblast something, you know, you you get a different story of how the block grew. You know, it's fascinating. You can stare at it forever. But rustication, most rustication, was a great way to take a block that wasn't perfect, you know, to finish it quickly and cheaply and effectively, and it doesn't tell the story of anything. Um, so to me, that's very boring. So I was fighting with this. Like, I can't sandblast this, but I can't make it smooth, so I have to rustate it. What? in the world can I do that does something interesting, that tells a story that is relevant to this piece? And so, you know, I'm looking at it and I go, well, it's got the moon thing going on. What if the back of it was cratered? So <laughs> I, I took my Dremel, which I, I, I had at that point, and um, I, I had a, a couple of, of, of carving tools, and I said, okay, well, let's give this a shot. And so... I, I did a, a little bit of research just to kind of, like, re refresh my mind's eye, you know, what do craters look like. <laughs> um, and then I just kind of freeform went for it. And I, I did show that pipe to a couple of people. Um, I had it with me at the St. Louis show um, in 2013. That was the first time anybody had, had seen it in person, and it generated a lot of buzz which I'm really happy to say. <laughs> yeah, a lot of my uh, commissions since then have, have been for the finish, and um, it just, it's been really popular, and it's, it's a lot of fun to do, and I think that as a finish, um, even though it doesn't draw 
directly from like the story of the block. It's it tells the story of of each individual piece. Uh, you know, you, you can imagine each of these being shaped shapes. You know that are spinning through the universe, right, and being pummeled on their way to Earth. So, so it's for me, it's a it's a replication technique that works effectively as a storytelling medium, and so that's that's the reason that that I like it, and and I continue to do it. Um, and so yeah, and so that's that's how that came to be. So I'm looking at a close-up of one of them on your website, and we'll post this picture to the to the show page. Each okay. one of those little craters, uh, there's craters of multiple sizes, so I'm assuming now each one of those is an individual different size bit on the Dremel tool. Actually, you're, you're, you're close. Um, some of like the smallest ones are, for sure, just the tool shape, but... Um, you'll notice um, on every pipe there are some that are much bigger. Those were carved by hand using one of the individual tools. Um, so I, I don't think Dremel makes a tool big enough <laughs> <laughs> to to make a crater like that in one pass. Um, so uh, for for that reason, for you know the the larger craters and for the low lying areas around the craters, uh, that's actually. I think the most time intensive finish that I do still, uh, because it is, it's a lot of hand work. So it's, it, it's called moon rock rustication, but it, it really does border on, on, on being a carving technique. It, but, um, it, it borders on being like really cool and really kind of freaky all at the same time. And now I want to touch one. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> I, I, I want to touch your moon rock. <laughs> but Whoa, going back to reality, <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk about the pipe from the 2013 Kansas City contest because that one, uh, there's not a flaw on that that I can see, and it's got grain in every place possible. <laughs> that was that was an exceptional block, and that it had nothing to do with the artist. So we'll talk about something else now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, well, sorry, I, I, I will happy to elaborate on, on that pipe. Um, so the story behind the pipe. Um, so we, you know, I, I entered um, several months before, and I, I was looking through my blocks to try and figure out what I wanted to, which one I wanted to start with and what I wanted to do, um, you know, to do something special that was me, you know, that that fit with, with the contest, you know, um, and I picked up that block and it was one of those elusive ones, you know, it picked it up and from the outside, the grain looked fine. Um, it didn't look exceptional or anything. Uh, it looked like a pretty clean block. You know, I didn't see any pits or anything on the outside. And, and so I, I drew a sketch on the block, um, just kind of an idea. And I just kind of sort of slowly shaping away at it. And, as I did and got into the block and started following the grain going to, uh, all of a sudden, like, I realized this, this is not just a random block off the shelf. Like, this is, this is, this is an amazing block. Uh, and it turned into something more than I had expected when it began. Um, so I was, I was really, really very pleased with the way that it, it 
it wound up looking by the end because I, I hadn't anticipated it would it would look even I mean that the grain would eat, would be anywhere close to as uh, as nice as it was at the end and and the shape uh, was was so much fun to create taking that that idea that I just kind of sketched on you know to kind of follow the grain I could see um, and then expanding it out into what it wound up being you know I, I love I love the idea that that pipe really kind of started for me of like repetition in a piece, you know, the, the bowl and the shank are essentially the same shapes, but in a different orientation, but the relationship to each other kind of highlights the differences in each. Um, and, and and that to me is, it is a beautiful part of, of creating these little pieces like this is you, you can play with, with, with those shapes and you can play with how they accent each other and wake each other up. Um, so that, that, that pipe uh, was a lot of fun because of that and having such a gorgeous piece of wood to work with. And at the end, you know, I, I, I thought, you know, there was so much good about it. And I mean, as with every pipe that I make, you know, there's so much, I can see so much good at the end and there's so much that I, w- I still would want to improve. But with that piece at the end, I said, I, the wood looks great. The shape looks great. I, I don't know that I'm going to be able to offer better than this. And, and so I, I, I sent it in, and lo and behold, it was chosen. And you know, I, I, I'll tell you this. I didn't expect it at all. <laughs> when I sent it in, well, when I sent it in, I, I thought to myself, so this is the best that I can do. There's so many other people in this country who 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 can make a better pipe than me. <laughs> that there's like it's just not going to happen. And um, Nate was actually the person who told me. Um, he sent me a text because I, I couldn't make the show that um, that year. He sent me a text, and, and the text said, "Hmm, I see a pipe that looks familiar in the winter circle." <laughs> And I was like, no, don't do that to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, that, that made my day. I mean, hell, that made my year. <laughs> and then to top it off, not only did you shape it and smooth it down and just held on and didn't screw it up, uh, <laughs> you, made it, <laughs> you made it a reverse calabash, so it's got chambers on both ends. Yeah. And um, one of the ideas I'm still toying with, and I haven't figured this out yet. Well, I'll go ahead and share it with you first, Brian. Uh-oh. Um, I'm writing it down. Uh-oh. All right. But so the, um, it, it's a question that I have in my mind, of, you know, like the whole reverse calabash idea is, you know, if you taking the idea from that pipe, you know, of shapes in different positions, you know, that are, waking each other up, so to speak, you know, kind of commenting on each other, you know, mirroring each other, repeating a theme. And you do that in such a way that, you know, the the actual tobacco chamber and the reverse calabash chamber, you know, are oriented very similarly on bowl and shank, um, but the, you make it so that the stem can go in either way and that there really is no clear delineation where the stem's supposed to go. Um, oh no! That to me is, is, <laughs> yeah. So 
that it's a thought I've been having and it's been rolling around in my mind. You know, who knows if it's going to come to fruition? I'm sure, like, whoever wants to steal that, take it, run with it, be my guest. <laughs> well, that, that, don't worry about it. Nobody listens, so. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. so that's that, that's a good point. That's a good point. Let's get a few more a few more quick things in, and then we got to wrap it up. But what do your pipes price wise start out at? So a sandblast for me, like a, a small, simple shaped sandblast, like a black sandblast, just briar and stem, um, is going to start at about two ninety five. And is how many pipes a year do you hope to make? Um, between uh, fifty and about seventy. My my production so far has been about 40 a year. Um, this year, um, I'm, I'm happy to say I, I've taken the leap uh, to, to move to doing this as a full-time venture. And, and I'll just I'll say everybody can know, my, my wife is, is making this possible uh, for me and for everyone. She, uh, she's working at uh, Duke University. And um, that, that, that has allowed us um, or, uh, to, to make this venture possible. So taking this opportunity um you know lots of growth is happening and lots of new ideas and it's uh it's been a really great opportunity to get more prolific and get more work done and and really explore new ideas and shapes so it's uh it's a lot of fun and i man i i can't tell you i i can't wait to keep going and and see see just what i can squeeze out of stuff in, in the next couple of years well go blue devils and thanks to her you can make more customers happy there you go. Exactly. We'll wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. Hit me. What's your favorite pipe? Mine. What's your favorite tobacco? Virginia. Old Virginia. What's your favorite drink? Rum and Coke. When it's time to relax, is it a book, a movie, or music? A book. And finally, any particularly favorite pipe smoking related memory that we haven't already talked about, like your contraption of a to turn a tenon? <laughs> <laughs> well, a pipe smoking related memory is different than a pipe, maybe different than a pipe making related memory. Um, my favorite pipe smoking memory, <clears throat> we may have talked briefly about it, but was the, the first time that I played backgammon uh, with Sarah in Baton Rouge at Bayou Tobacco on, on, on their back deck. It was a slow day, and I, I was smoking that Norting apple. And um, it was the first time that she'd ever said, you played that well. <laughs> so I take it you might have won. I didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> but, but she came close. I did not. I came close. I don't. I, don't, I think to date I have not beat her. Well, now that you're in North Carolina, you win because we're better anyway. Hey, there you go. Oh, yeah, because we're very close. That's true. Yeah, an hour and a half up the road from me, so I'm sure I'll run into you a couple of times driving point. by. In yeah, the meantime, exactly. at least it's show. Yeah. In the meantime, everybody go to David's website dshpipes.com. Check out his work. Email him if you got any questions. Check out all the links in the portfolio on there. And David, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you again, Brian. I, it was a joy to be here. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. There's nothing quite like a good book. 
or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. It's Saturday morning at the crack of dawn. The cool chill of night still clings to the air as the sun slowly rises over the misty surface of the lake. You've waited all week for just this moment. You know that today is going to be epic. Everything is here to ensure perfection. From the nice full cooler packed with your favorite suds to the other empty one, waiting to be filled with piles of freshly caught fish. Reaching into your pocket, you pull out your trusty briar and fill it with your favorite tobacco, aptly named Great Outdoors. It is the perfect smoke for moments like these. A strike, a flash, and your tobacco is lit as the delicious mixture ignites and swirls over your tongue and the deep, rich burleys with a hint of sweet Virginia dance in your mouth. You smile, casting your first line into the water. The slowly widening ripples begin to stir as you feel the first bite of the day tug at your line. Now you know it truly is going to be a good day and a perfect time to enjoy the simple yet unmatchable pleasures of the great outdoors. Great Outdoors is another fine quality pipe tobacco manufactured by Sutliff, America's oldest tobacco company, and is available at fine tobacconists everywhere. Enjoy your perfect day by purchasing a tin today. We are back, and uh, during the commercial, I was telling David how I wanted to thank him because now I want a reverse calabash and maybe a moon rock reverse calabash. And then he told me that he wanted to just clarify that his actual favorite pipe is one of his uh, sandblasted shop pipes, but he's got many pipes from other makers that he likes and enjoys himself. So there you go. All right, for music tonight, uh, Jody Davis, the Newsboys, they have a new album out, and it's traditional hymns, so quite a difference from last week with uh, Boris Karloff, but here's the Newsboys. Sin, my 
album and the song called Hallelujah for the Cross. It's a whole collection of uh, updated versions of traditional hymnals and it released today, November 4th. So check out Jody Davis and the Newsboys. Three little words. You got mail. Let's start off the mailbag with our number one listener, John Seiler. In response to last week's show, John writes, there are numerous ways to smoke flake tobacco. I use a spice or other substance grinder with two twists and fill the pipe. Flakes are a treat. Uh, Glenn Quelch is working in a disappearing part of our hobby, John writes. Uh, I've seen the YouTube videos of the Nottingham Pipe Club. They look like they have a great time. It's got to be the best of jobs to earn your keeping through blending boutique tobaccos. As I like mature Virginia tobaccos, I'll keep an eye on Glenn to when he masters the Virginia blends. Will he become the British Greg Pease? Time will tell. Interesting interview. John goes on to write, Boris Karloff was a great pipe-smoking actor. Never kick a black cat, never kick a black cat, especially if you're going to be on a catwalk. Uh, Rant, yes, political correctness to the max, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, he goes on to write, good show, keep up the good work at the new location. Uh, Jim Inks, Jim Amish writes, I'm very pleased with your interview, Brian, and I also thank you for the credit you gave me during the broadcast. Well, credit is due. Uh, Glenn is an interesting fellow who makes terrific blends, and you brought out the best in him as a good interviewer should. Lots of good information always makes for a worthwhile listen. As a fan of Glenn's blends, I hope the podcast will bring him lots of business. I know the tobaccos will make the smokers happy. They... Uh, I know the tobaccos will make the smokers happy they bought the products. 
Too bad you're not dressing up for Halloween. You could go to the snobby section of L.A. dressed up as a smoking pipe and watch the homeowners faint. Don't worry, there's enough people on the site to post your bail. Thanks. Uh, Dan Coomer, Casey Ghost, writes, I've always liked to roll two Escudo coins together and then jam them into my pipe. Not too deep, of course. Then I tear off the excess sticking out of the top of the bowl. I'll have to try your method on other flakes. The interview with Glenn was quite enjoyable, probably because the topic of emphasis was something different. Good discussion of blending. Shame it is such a pain in the keister to order tobacco from the UK. In looking at his website, he seems to have a lot of aromatics. Love the Boris, Cor- the Boris Karloff reading. Probably his most well-known reading was the narration of The Grinch That Stole Christmas. Never cared for horror movies, so my favorite movie of his is Charlie Chan at the Opera. I, too, have given up dressing for Halloween. We don't get enough trick-or-treaters to make it worthwhile. I have reached an age where most people would tell you my non-costumed look is far scarier than any costume. Uh, Dan goes on to write, Carmen is a wonderful opera, and uh, he agrees that vendors should stay for the whole show, but sometimes it's not always practical. Uh, Dino says, I loved the all-tobacco show. Your conversation with Glenn was both entertaining and informative, and the other Englishman, Boris Karloff, supplied the perfect oral intro for Halloween. You know, doing the show in your basement will have a truly act podcast feel to it. It seems Down Under has a real problem with Carmen. Uh, Back in the 1990s, the Auckland Opera Company got complaints for an advertising poster showing Carmen with cleavage. Philosophy professor and arts critic, the late Dennis Dutton, responded with a synopsis for Smoke-Free Carmen on his arts blog. Those who are familiar with the opera's story, and even those who aren't, will enjoy the politically correct satire. So check that out. He put a link up there. Uh, Riff Raff says, I try the tried and true McBaron fold. I first saw this on the McBaron website. If you use this method, be prepared for a long smoke. And according to Pear, this is how flakes and coins are supposed to be enjoyed. But I find that if I don't have the time for a two-hour smoke, I rub it out. I love the interview with Glenn. I've been watching his videos for quite some time on YouTube and enjoyed every one. He is definitely passionate about his craft. I will certainly be trying some of his blends. The Boris clip brought me back to my childhood watching the old creature feature movies. Loved it. And the PC community is as pervasive as a virus. I'm glad to hear the uh, uh, the WAOC backpedaled on their dis- on their decision, although it took the Australian Prime Minister's influence to do it. Great show. Uh, the Kilted One said, Another fantastic show. Being in the UK, I'm saddened to say I haven't heard about Glenn or his tobacco sooner. My next stop after this is his website. Next time I have some flakes, I'll try and remember the new method. I usually just shred them. Yeah, me too. Uh, the Black Cat was too scary for me. I'll try it again when I'm not alone outside in the dark, and I agree with the rant. <laughs> I agree with the Black Cat being too scary for me. Uh, Lonesome Piper writes, Great show, Brian and Kevin. Really great show. Love to learn more about tobacco. I gotta try this flake, uh, this fold, this flake folding method. I usually only use a grinder and can't complain about the results. What a great interview. I want to hear more. Hope I can get some of his blends down here in Brazil. 
Uh, rant, some people have nothing better to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, don't worry, be happy in YouTube and suck it up. Oh, that's what he says. Watch Bobby McFerrin singing Don't Worry, Be Happy in YouTube and suck it up. 30 million views, by the way. He's even smoking a pipe in the beginning of the video. Can't miss a single show, guys. Is that good? Thank you very much. And a couple more real quick comments. Uh, Flaky Jakey writes, I rarely contribute these days. I think my only posts in the last six months were to vote for... Lord Lowercase's ennoblement in the Piping Hall of Fame and to introduce members to H.U. Tobacco's, another new kid on the block, which I'm going to look up. Uh, a while back, I sent Jim Inc. samples of the 8GQ blends. I had no affiliation, and Glenn himself sent a, fur sent a further two. Jim has now formally reviewed these on Tobacco Reviews. As you know, Jim was sufficiently impressed to set up last night's radio show interview. Uh, Glenn does ship to the U.S., and I would encourage anyone to try his blends. My particular favorites are Ask With Cake, Breakfast Blend, Classic Balkan, and Nottingham Lace Noir. I've seen looking for something different posts recently. I can assure anyone who fits this bill that they will have tasted nothing quite like the Breakfast Blend or Nottingham Lace Noir. And last, maybe... Uh, J.H. Hicks writes, I truly enjoyed the interview with Glenn. It's always interesting to listen to the tobacco blender side of the hobby. I was surprised by the 5% rule for Perique. Me too, especially since I love Perique. Uh, he goes on to write, when I throw together blends at the house, I'm always in the 22 to 30% range. I've put together a few blends that had around 50% for the fun of it, but Perique is about all you taste at that level. He, is, he has a very impressive website, and I hope to try out some of his blends soon. Glenn, when did you start using the age in the sock method? <laughs> I like that. Uh, the Boris Karloff bit was great. I think I'll gather the family tonight to listen to it. Lights off with candles lit. What a great voice. Uh, regarding the asthmatic comment from last week, the asthma story is a long one for me, but to keep it short, the only thing that has triggered an attack in the last 8 to 10 years has been cold weather or vigorous exercise. Smoking my pipes or being around smokers doesn't cause an attack for me. Modern asthma medicine is incredible compared to the stuff I was given as a kid. I don't suffer from it anymore as long as I take Advair. I can't wait for the generic. <laughs> that That's good information. Thank you very much because I do get a lot of comments from people that have asthma or stuff like that and they say that smoking does trigger it. So, Uh... Der Fargan writes, wow, I thought Glenn didn't ship to the U.S. I saw some of his YouTube videos a few months ago and wanted to try some stuff. Looks like I'll be placing an order, and then he signs it. Sweet. Uh, a couple more. Lincoln's Bark. Great interview with Glenn and show overall. I'm also glad. I'm also glad to see GQ himself here on the forums now. I've always wondered why he wasn't on here. In all honesty, I credit these forums, the radio show, and Glenn's YouTube channel for my passion for this hobby. I just started pipe smoking in April 2013, and without these resources of information, I would have never made it past the plateau of wet aromatics. Uh, let me just respond to that real quick, because uh, part of the problem with those of us that are in the business and in the hobby at the same time, we don't have a lot of time 
so we kind of pick and choose where we're going to poke around and find stuff. Uh, so there's your answer for why Glenn probably wasn't on the forums before. Anyway, glad you all enjoyed that show. Hey, quick rave coming up in just a minute. Cup of Joe's, a name you know, a name that you trust for all your tobacco needs. Exclusive pipes, pipe tobacco, accessories, pipe stands, and so much more. Cup of Joe's is the one place you can go and take care of every single one of your tobacco purchases. Fast shipping, friendly, professional service. One site, cupofjoes.com. And coming soon, their new line of smoking man pipes, cupofjoes.com. Quality products and extraordinary prices. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achille Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs, comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. finish this one off with a little rave yeah a little shout out to two guys named joe and john who are they well joe and john were the two charter co- uh, charter bus drivers that the uh, marching band uses on a regular basis and for this trip last weekend down to atlanta i got to ride on the bus with these guys and i didn't really uh, really think about everything that a charter bus or a, a long-haul bus driver goes through but not only do they have to keep a bus full of 60 people on the road and moving along through traffic and following one another too which has got to be as boring as all get up but they have to listen to all the noise on the bus pay attention to the people on the bus and keep the traffic going all at the same time now those of you that are on the road a lot if you're a long-haul trucker you know how monotonous the time on the road can be but at least you got your own stereo and you got your own music to listen to and hey you might even have a great pipe smoking podcast or broadcast to listen to well these guys in these long haul coach buses they got to listen they can't listen to any of that they've got to listen to what's going on in the bus and pay attention to that and keep their eye on the road and stay awake and drive long hours and long highways and Sometimes, I'll tell you, the smell from a bunch of teenage boys on a bus can be a little overwhelming, too. But anyway, these guys are regulars for us. We use them all the time. And I just wanted to say a shout-out to anybody that's a charter coach, bus driver, or a long-haul driver that has to deal with all those kinds of passengers. Boy, you got my respect, and uh, you got my admiration, and these guys are the best. Looking forward to uh, riding down to Disney World with them at the uh, next band trip in 
April when we go down to Orlando, Florida. Oh, and did, you, did I mention, by the way, that I happily volunteered to be the uh, be a chaperone to go down to Disney World, too. All right, there you go. A little shout-out for those guys. Uh, don't forget, uh, Sunday night at uh, Paris Hotel, if you're a pipe smoker, come by 9 p.m. We're going to gather up out there. Hope to see you all at the West Coast Pipe Show. Please make sure and leave ratings and reviews for the show wherever you can. We appreciate that. Post any comments you got in the uh, forums, and I look forward to them all. So thank you to David Huber for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the fine folks at the Sutliff Tobacco Company. And until next time. the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny Problem number one with doing the show from home, I can smell dinner is ready, and I am hungry.